is Ronaldo. Oh, my goodness. You don't save those. Out of this world. Messi. 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 Landon Donovan, there are things on here for the USA. Can they do it here? Cross, and Dempsey is denied again, and Donovan has scored! Oh, can you believe this? Go, go, USA! Certainly through! Oh, it's incredible! You could not write a script like this! For the fourth time, the United States of America are crowned champions of the world. From the international stage to right here at home, this is FUVFC, talking all things soccer on WFUV Sports. What is going on, soccer fans? We took a hiatus last week, but we're back and we are better than ever. Keenan Troy joined by Eli Keeler in studio, international correspondent Michael Hernandez on Zoom as always. Eli, your first time with us. We're going to start with you. How are you, my man? I'm pretty good. I uh, I'm excited to be here. Excited to talk some soccer. Um, big day for uh, Champions League, and excited to break it down with you guys. And then the international man of mystery, Mr. Hernandez. Mike, how are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm just happy to be on the show, especially after the matches that we've seen over the past two days, and just I'm ready to break it down. Yeah, let's waste no time then, Michael. You know, you teased it after. We saw the U.S. qualify for the World Cup and some incredible matches in Europe and then that AFCON duel between Senegal and Egypt once again going into penalties, Senegal advancing in that one. We return back to the domestic leagues and the domestic leagues bring forth you know, everything that we could have asked for coming out of such a highly anticipated international break. And then we get into the Champions League this week, two games yesterday, two games today. We're recording this, you know, roughly, what, 45 minutes at the most since those matches ended, which saw Chelsea lose at home 3-1 to Real Madrid. Benzema with another hat-trick in the Champions League. He did it the last time they took the stage against PSG, and he did it again against Chelsea at the bridge. And then Villarreal in what was probably the biggest shocker we've seen, you know, you might think back to that Salzburg 1-1 draw to Bayern Munich, but Bayern Munich suffering defeat, their first one of this Champions League campaign on the road in Villarreal. Unai Emery does it again. They lead 1-0 going into that second leg. Mike, you're in London. What's what's the atmosphere after that, sh- I want to say, shambolic Chelsea performance, especially that Mendy mishap to start the second half? Well, um, uh, un- unfortunately, um, I wasn't in a public uh, – I-, I was just in the flat – uh, watching the matches um, because I wanted to watch both at the same time and uh, and with like my subscription, but um, I, I would be I, I'm gonna say that you know Chelsea fans are shocked because you know obviously uh, to concede two goals you know okay but then you get one back right before the half you have the momentum and then for you know argue, arguably one of the best goalkeepers in the world uh, to do that type of you know horrible. horrible I don't know what he was thinking and then you know g- gifting Benzema his hat trick you know two hat tricks in back-to-back Champions League games has only been done by one other person, Ronaldo. But, I mean, you know, um, fair play to Madrid because they took their chances. Because Chelsea also had their chances. I remember uh, in the second half, um, 
Espelicueta had a shot in the second half, and Courtois, you know, barely got his hand to it. You know, like, it, if it wasn't for that, it could be, you know, the narrative would have been entirely different. But, um, yeah, like, when I saw that, I, I was in disbelief because, you know, he's one of the best goalkeepers in the world, and to make that type of mistake at this stage, you know, at this level in the competition, you know, and, and now Madrid have the huge advantage uh, going into next week's uh, a second leg. Yeah, and, and we know Mendy's not the, the strongest keeper in the world with his feet, but still what we saw today was inexcusable, re- really. I mean, it was just, I, it, it didn't look like him. Uh, it didn't look like one of the best keepers in the world. Um, but I also, yeah, I want to go back to Courtois. That that one save, just, it was a great shot top right, and Courtois somehow got to it. I It was, honestly, if you, just as you said, if a couple things, if Mendy, you know, doesn't miss Hap and... You know, Courtois is just an inch away. You know, it, all of a sudden, that's a much closer game. But um, definitely big credit to Benzema. Two headers. I think he has 11 goals in eight games for the Champions League so far. Something like that. Yeah, only Lewandowski is ahead of him on goals in this Champions League campaign. But, yeah, boys, you you got to be upset if you're Tuchel, right? You give up two goals in rapid succession in the first half that you, you know, hold your own. I'm not going to say dominate, but definitely hold your own against uh Madrid team that is as compact and as together as any team left in this final eight. And then, you know, you get that Kai Havertz header, which was from a beautiful cross in, and you go in one goal down, and you're thinking to yourselves, okay, just come out strong, feel the game out. We're in this game, and we have, you know, we have the attacking ability, if it's a one-goal game, to get one late and go into Madrid all level at twos. And then Ball finds Mendy at his feet after a clearance, I watch was watching live, and you know the initial ch- initial chest control was confusing to me. It looked kind of like he was caught in between of what to do when it came to him initially, and then he plays that really lousy ball to Rudiger. And let's not let Rudiger out of the woods here either. He was first to that ball, and it looked like he tried to just you know stab it away from Benzema, maybe back towards Mendy. He's just got to hook that one long, but. You know, to play devil's advocate, he realizes in that situation is that if, you know, there's any contact with Benzema before the ball or after the ball, he's definitely seeing red and, you know, a mountain becomes even bigger going from 2-1 down to 2-1 down with 10 men. That being said, though, costly turnover. Benzema picks it up and, you know, in the form he's been in, anytime he's got the ball going towards goal, you think he's dangerous, but when there's not even a goalkeeper in net and he's 30-some yards out, you know he's going to waste no time to slot that finish home. And then, yeah, we talk about the Couture, Courtois, Couture, Courtois big save. Um, that was top class. I mean, there's been some speculation, I think, recently with Neuer kind of getting up there in age in terms of who is going to be the best goalkeeper in the world. Courtois has always been, you know, at that caliber, but he's playing probably at the best. We've seen him play at Real Madrid. Then Lukaku's brought on. He misses a absolute howler on that flicked-on header. Courtois beaten to the far post. He can't put it on goal. Some other chances in there for for Chelsea, but I you really just got to think as soon as that Mendy mishap begins the second half, they knew they were chasing. And as much as they didn't want to have to chase this game, after you know the Courtois save and a couple bad Lukaku misses, they realized that they had to go full hands on deck. And when you're playing a team that I don't say is disciplined because 
Real Madrid has shown in the you know you look at Militao who picks up a yellow card today he's out for the second leg, but that team is just so cohesive in the back that you're not going to beat them on a blitz and you're going to have to you know beat them in open play. Chelsea fall behind with that Mendy mistake and it was an uphill battle which I just didn't think they could overcome. Michael. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And don't forget, Benzema could have made it four because I'm pretty sure he had that wide open miss. Uh, not wide open, but in the first half, you know, he he had a he had a, he had a free opportunity and he missed it. Uh, but uh, I was trying to look up a stat. I want to say that um, it was his 37th goal in 36 games. I'm not quite sure of that because I think that was because uh, it was 36 and 36. But I think that was before the third goal. So he's been absolutely on fire but yeah i mean now i mean obviously you know uh no no uh a militao in the in the second leg but still you know when you're at home you will have the fans on your side and i think that you know this is it's going to be a tough hill to climb uh, for chelsea especially you know because as you said once that third goal went in it was like you know now what because 2-1 you know you know you can just score one goal you know in the second leg and, and it's and it's all even especially because of the new rules you know uh, uh, uh you know not counting the away goals but now it's 3-1 now you need to score two and you know with the form that Benzema's in I wouldn't be shocked you know if he scores another goal or even more go- you know I, if he does another hat trick I wouldn't be shocked you know in, in the second leg so it's an incredibly tough hill for the for the defending champions yeah, Chelsea is in a really, really deep hole now. I mean, every sign, in every category, Real Madrid has the momentum. Uh, Benzema especially, you know, back-to-back hat-tricks, six goals in two games. I mean, what is what else is there to say? Uh, so I also wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, can find the net again next week. And on top of that, if you're already down two goals as Chelsea, you know, you got to make a splash here and you got to really tighten up. Um, and to be honest, I don't really see... Uh, that being very likely for Chelsea, I think Real Madrid, with all the momentum and and Benzema on an absolute tear, I don't think you know Chelsea can really overcome them. Yeah, and I think you know with how Chelsea sits in the Premier League, which we will get to in a little bit, I think that they've kind of run their race in terms of contending for a title this season. And you know you needed a two-one loss to feel somewhat confident going into the Bernabeu next week and you know that 3-1 it just looks like a mountain to climb for this Chelsea team and you know you saw the substitutions at halftime from Tuchel I'm confused why he started so defensive to start the game you know he brings in Ziyech he brings in Kovacic and then you know he starts to unload the bench some more with the addition of Lukaku up top who has been in shambolic form as of late and then you know I just I think it was too little too late from Tuchel and it's going to be interesting to see how the you know a boss who demands so much possession out of his team lines up for that second leg because it's going to be a second leg which he needs to go out and have a strong 45 and you know that I think it might that requires you you having to sit either you know you're going to have to play with four in the back which he does not want to do and then you're going to have to you know somehow gel together a a front three that looks to be creative as a unit going towards goal. You know, you had that Mason, a couple looks for Mount. He had that one first-time hit that bent over the top of the crossbar. Maybe Courtois had it covered. Maybe he didn't. You know, Kai Havertz obviously getting on the score sheet. Pulisic really wasn't a factor. So it'll be interesting. Definitely be interesting. Chelsea, you know, we've said teams have been down before on this podcast, but there still is a second leg to be played. And, you know, the quality they have on that side, I'm sure that if they get an early goal, they're going to start to believe. 
And if you're Real Madrid going into that second leg, you've played so well at the Bernabeu this entire year, both domestically and in the Champions League. You just need to hold on, see it through, and get to the semifinal. Other match happening today, boys. A shocker. Villarreal won. Bayern Munich nil. Bayern picking up their first loss on the Champions League campaign. What a match that was. I know that Michael told us that he had the dual monitor setup going. I was in my friend's basement who has two TVs, so we had both those matches happening simultaneously for us to watch. It was an emphatic Unai Emery performance. You know, you get the early goal from Groenveld, which you know maybe saw, was seen as a gut punch to Bayern, but we know this Bayern team has goals within them and that when they click, they're the best team in Europe. That being said, Unai Emery... I think, you know, he got a bad rap. I said this after they knocked out Juventus. He got a bad rap at Arsenal because, let's be honest, that was a a tricky time for Arsenal where they were still trying to, like, compete with some of their older heads and weren't bringing in young talent. He gets, you know, gets canned. He moves out to Villarreal. And since he's been out there, he has just been absolutely prolific as a head coach. And this was his best performance yet. You watch that high press from Villarreal. You watch how they defend around the box. I remember that game against Salzburg where Bayern was trailing 1-0 the entire game and then they pick up one late in the 90th minute courtesy of Kingsley Coman and that completely changes the entire narrative of the second leg because going back to the Allianz, you know that Bayern's going to be at their absolute best and going in level with all the momentum on their side after you know Salzburg puts out their best performance of the season and only played to a draw against Bayern, you knew that this si- that second leg was going to be tough. I think it's a different case, I really do, with this Villarreal team because, you know, we saw the way they possessed and, you know, allowed Bayern to possess too, but as soon as Villarreal had a sniff of the ball, they were quick to it, really played really well in net. And it's not as though Villarreal was just sitting back on their heels after the 1-0 lead and just letting Bayern send wave after wave after them. There were chances for for Villarreal to, you know, put two or three past him. Think about that Moreno midline try after Neuer passes it away. You know, DeJuma had a couple looks. Lo Celso was zipping around the pitch. He had one in the 85th minute that he sliced into the fifth row. It wasn't as though Villarreal was content with 1-0. They wanted to put this tie to bed, and they tried about as hard as they could to find a second goal. You think about that shot, too, that Swaz's outside of the boot, hits the outside of the post, Neuer is nowhere near it. It truly could have gone 3-0 Villarreal, had two or three things gone correctly for them. So although Bayern is the best team in this tournament, I think we can all get behind that in terms of consistency. I don't want to say they've got a mountain to climb because playing at the Allianz is different than playing anywhere else. But if Unai Emery rolls out a performance like he did tonight, I'm I'm confident that Villarreal has a, a fighting chance against a dominant Bayern side. Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree. I mean, you know, um, when they first scored, I was like, okay, now they're just going to sit back. But as you said, they wanted more and they had the opportunities. You know, like that that goal that was ruled out for offside. You know, like th- that would have been you know a wonder goal and, and given them even more of an advantage. You like you said, you know, the halfway shot. Like they wanted to put this game to bed, but you know. Bayern is still Bayern, so you know if you know like obviously you know uh, the the second leg last uh, you know it, it was a tie heading in, but you know 
Byron can still pull it out, but yeah, I mean, like I was, oh, I was surprised to see how they play because they really, you know, they really wanted to score more goals, um, and you know, just a fantastic performance, and you know, the momentum, like you said, is definitely on their side because you know, if it if it ends in a nil nil, they're through, and you know, based, and I think that you know, they were the better team, and you know, I, I was watching like in between because it was on the same screen, so uh, I was like watching at half. But I mean, you know, a great, great performance, you know, and uh, and especially, you know, at because Bayern were the huge favorites going into this, um, you know, they definitely showed why they deserve to be in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Yeah, you guys talked about Neuer's mistake and the halfway shot, um, and then Moreno also had one from probably the corner of the box that just hits that left post that was that easily could have been two nil. There was um, for Bayern, there was a close opportunity. The ball comes across the box. Nabry just is just. A second late, so I, I'm I'm honestly not too worried about Byron because they they had a few opportunities. They had 22 shots, which is you know a ton for a team that didn't didn't end up scoring. So I'm not terribly worried for Byron. I think they're gonna come out. I mean I'm I'm obviously you know Byron's got to step it up, but but I I believe that they can come out next week and I I I think they can overcome you know, their deficit here, but they have to show us way more than they showed us this week. This was kind of kind of sad coming for Bayern, who's, as we said, you know, the best team in Europe on their best days. Yeah, and Mike's in the chat right now. Not only is it Bayern's first loss on the season for the Champions League, it's their first away loss in 22 Champions League matches. And so when you talk about the consistency of this side, you know, Maybe losing this game, it can do it can serve as two functions, and I think we're all expecting a triumphant Bayern response to this loss. You know, per, probably a return to form next week. Let's be honest. And you know, as Eli, you pointed out, it wasn't as though Bayern was just ran off the pitch and couldn't do anything. They had looks, but the the Unai Emery tactics allowed Villarreal to absorb pressure and make. Bayern live and die by crosses. You know, we saw balls falling to the feet of Coman, the balls falling to the feet of, you know, Goretzka before he took a knock, to Thomas Muller before he was subbed off, to Leroy Sané, falling to their feet in non-lethal positions where they still need to beat a defender to go to goal. And I think for Unai Emery, this, this win at home, especially the season that Villarreal has had in the Champions League, you know, we think back into their group with Atalanta, you know, winning that last match day to get through to the knockouts with the help of Manchester United. I really think that Unai Emery's going to come into the Allianz and look to make a statement. I think he's going to try and put out a similar performance in terms of pressing, in terms of, you know, managing possession battles, and then also in terms of playing numbers behind the ball. I think he's going to try and do all those things again. The only question is, is Bayern going to, you know, fall fall victim to the same tricks twice. I don't know. I think that, you know, between the Chelsea match and the Villarreal match today, n- both those legs are set up entirely differently because of the second halves of both. Because Villarreal proved that they can play at the level of Bayern Munich, no matter what the pundits think about it. And then Chelsea, you know, falling behind immediately after the kickoff and not being able to generate anything going forward despite having good chances. I think both those teams are looking at themselves and saying how do we how do we close out these second legs? Moving forward though, boys. Michael, 
I can't see you because the monitor's with its back to me. I'm sure you're just ecstatic to talk about this Liverpool match yesterday. Winning 3-1 on the road at Benfica. Konate scores early. And then it is Sadio Mane. And then Benfica get back in the game after a Konate mistake on the defensive end. And then Luis Diaz torturing Benfica like he did in his Porto days. Scores late F through off and now BK to three ball, excuse me. Sending this one back to Anfield, Liverpool leading 3-1. Obviously, that Luis Diaz goal completely changes the direction of the second leg because Benfica was in that game. You think about that close save Allison made in the 76th minute and then a fortunate clearance on the rebound. It could it could very well could have gone 2-2. Benfica had the opportunities to make it 3-2. So, Michael, I'm just going to ask you because, you know, you and I are both Liverpool supporters pretty candid about that on this podcast. What did we think of that Liverpool versus Benfica first leg in Lisbon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so unfortunately I didn't watch uh, much of the game, uh, but I'm sure we'll get to that uh, right after this. Uh, but, you know, uh, I'd say that the first half, you know, I saw some of the highlights. The first half was great, especially the the, uh, the ball from, uh, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold on that second goal. I mean, what a ball, you know, because he gives it to Diaz on a plate and he heads it, Mane, you know, open goal. Um, but, you know, honestly, like, you know, I, I think Liverpool could have scored more because you had a, I think it was uh, Jota, you know, at the last kick of the game or, or one of the last kick, uh, one of the last uh, kicks of the game. You had a couple of fair chances with Salah in the first half. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, going into the second leg, you know, I, you know, I feel like most of the fans and most of the players feel like they have an advantage. But, you know, uh, Klopp said this in the intertie, you know, they had a two goal lead. And, you know, uh, you know, Inter scored that one goal and, you know, we got a bit nervous. So, you know, obviously Klopp will have to, you know, make some rotations and especially with this huge, you know, huge match on Sunday, um, you know, he's, he's going to have to, you know, rotate. But I mean, I, you know, obviously um, the tie is not, you know, it, it's not even close to being finished because, you know, anything can happen in the Champions League. So, you know, they're not going to go into that second leg saying, oh, we have a 2-0 advantage. We're playing at home, you know, because... Next thing we know, we'll have, you know, we might pull a Barcelona. You know, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, you know, we just need to be mentally focused and, and just be, you know, treat the game, you know, as we would any other game in the other competitions, you know, and just, you know, play the best that we can and, and score the goals. Yeah, I, I hate to do this to you guys, and I'm not the biggest supporter of any team, but if I had to pick one, I would have to say Man City. Um, I know you're both incredibly disappointed in me right now, but um, it is what it is. <laughs> and Michael falls down on Zoom here. Um, but yeah, I so Kanate with a nice header in the beginning, and then he slips up and just completely whiffs on that ball across the box. Uh, I don't expect him to, to see him start against Man City this weekend, which means you know we could see him back again um, next week in the middle of the week. Uh, I I don't think you know. That whiff, I don't think, is too big of a deal. Like I, I think, well, I mean, it was obviously a big deal, but I think he can get it together, and I think Liverpool uh, takes this match next week pretty soundly. Probably don't want to jinx it, but um, uh, they, they, they looked really good. And Luis, I want, yeah, I want to emphasize Luis Diaz because one of the things that I, I think Man City has over Liverpool is that Man City's probably the one of the deepest teams, not the deepest team in Europe. And when you have Luis Diaz playing like he is, he scored yesterday. I think he scored 
um, an international games a couple couple games ago. So he's he's been on recently, and if if he can really be an impact, you know, an impactful player off this bench, Liverpool is absolutely in it even more than they already are with Man City this weekend and easily against Beneficia next week. So um, Luis Diaz is kind of, you know, the last piece of this puzzle for Liverpool in my mind. Yeah, boys, and I think... Uh, hold, on, hold on, Keenan. I, I, I just want to hop back in, sorry. But, you know, I just want to say I am so happy that Diaz is performing well, especially because, yeah. you know, I'm Colombian, so I'm, I'm, I'm beyond ecstatic that, you know, that, that, that we have a Colombian, you know, playing for Liverpool. And, you know, honestly, I he hasn't missed a step. You know, I, I was kind of worried, you know, winter signing, he might take some time, but he's absolutely, you know, he, he's right in there. You know, I, I, yeah. I, I can't think of, like, a really poor game that he's had you know i i um uh when i went to see norwich you know he he um i forget if he started but he you know he scored his first goal there so you know he i don't think he's he's put that many uh you know steps wrong and he 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 also had another opportunity in the benfica game but i think um he, he just he, uh, he just messed up his lines but you know the fact that he got his goal you know just shows that the impact and i think he's he's been a real boost uh, for this Liverpool side, especially you know that we're still fighting in the in the rest of the competitions as we head into the run-in. Yeah, and you know, obviously, Michael, you gave away our closing segment, which is that big match between Liverpool and City, which will probably decide how the Premier League shakes out for the rest of the year. But sticking with the Champions League, I think you know we talk so much about Luis Diaz and what he means to this Liverpool side. You know, watching this Liverpool match over the weekend. And now against Benfica in the Champions League, Mo Salah's not in his best form. You know, he had a couple chances in that Benfica game, in that Watford game, where you'd expect his touch to be a little cleaner. You'd expect him to be more clinical inside the 18. And, you know, obviously you're going to need that out of him on Sunday against the biggest match you've had this calendar year. But it's so refreshing for a Liverpool side and from a Liverpool supporter side that you have a Two guys in Diego Jota, who normally starts at the nine, so he wouldn't be coming off the bench. But, you know, substitute that with Roberto Firmino coming in and Jota going out wide. But really, Luis Diaz, who's a like-for-like Sala or Mane substitute, and that can go in there and immediately gel with with the first team, you know, the first 11, and also offer, you know, freshness off the bench, but offer the same qualities that, you know, inform Mane and inform Sala have which I really have felt that Liverpool have been lacking. And, you know, we see it in that Benfica game, 2-1 down, and, you know, Liverpool kind of knocking on Benfica's door, but Benfica really having the plethora of chances in that second half. And then Diaz comes on, he gets on the end of a through ball, dribbles the keeper and slots it, and, you know, really leaves no doubt from a Liverpool standpoint that you have the chips in your hand going back home to Anfield where everyone knows it's really difficult to play at. You'd be shocked. If they dropped a result, obviously, Michael, props to you recalling that inter leg in the round of 16, which Liverpool lost at home, but, you know, every Klopp said it himself, it was the game to lose. You're comfortable losing that one. That one you lost 1-0, and, you know, you ended up advancing by one goal. Could see a similar situation here. Obviously, depends on squad rotation and stuff. But I, I'm still impressed with the Konate-Van Dyke partnership. Obviously, Konate gets his first for Liverpool off a corner, which is obviously big big news to him. But with, with the exception of that blunder, which saw Benfica score their lone goal in that match, I think him and Van Dijk play very well together, both competent with the ball at their feet. You know, Both are pacey, which you look for. We all know, you know Van Dijk's accolades, 
Konate seems to be a perfect fit for him as, you know, Joel Matt tip gets old. Not to say that he can't defend anymore, but it's it's nice to have that balance of who's going to play along Van Dyke. And just like Luis Diaz provides on the wing, I think Konate's proving that he can just slide in whenever called upon. And it doesn't matter who's next to Van Dyke because he's just going to be the sentinel in the back that he is. So Liverpool taking a 3-1 advantage back home to Anfield. And then the other match that occurred yesterday was... City 1-0, victory over Atletico Madrid. City wasn't at their best either going forward, and I think you know anyone who watched that match can agree on it. They lacked creativity, especially in that first half in the final third. You know, We saw loose balls being pinged around, and Atletico doing what Atletico does best, which is getting under your opponent's skin, defending like maniacs, you know, De Bruyne said in the post-match presser, it's like I've never seen a team play 5-5-0. And that's really what Atletico Madrid did. They tucked João Felix and Griezmann literally in line with their midfielders, so they had no outlet. So it's clear that Simone wanted to play pretty much to a draw at the Etihad. Kevin De Bruyne, he scores a big goal, beating Oblak low to his right. Beautiful assist by Phil Foden. I personally thought that's when City looked at their best is when they made those uh, substitutions. Foden came on, Grealish came on, and there was immediately that spark of energy. One note I have from the match besides, you know, the X's and O's is that Gabriel Jesus is out for the second leg. He picked up a nonsense yellow for yelling at the ref. Suits him right. All he does is whine. And yes, this is me slowly getting upset thinking about this upcoming Sunday, which we'll talk about just one second. I know we've been teasing it a ton, but... Got to get through this Champions League match. Athleti doing what Athleti does best, only conceding one goal to a City team that absolutely dismantled, sporting Lisbon in the round of 16. Michael, we'll start with you. You know, you've donned a City jersey before on this podcast. I'm not going to let you walk away from that. (laughs) That being said, how confident should Pep be going into this second leg? Because I think we've seen in the past, sometimes, and we, we saw it definitely in that first leg, that the lack of a true number nine hurts this team. And, you know, we talked about it for the Liverpool side, you know, resting legs. Yes, City is as deep as they come. But when you're starting 11 has no, has very little, you know, creativity going forward, as we saw in that first half against the athletic, athletic team. How does Pep keep cool heads against a team that's just notorious for getting under your skin, you know, making you commit dumb fouls and then stinging you on the counter? Yeah, I mean, you know, obviously it's going to be a tough challenge. I mean, you know, when you're in the quarterfinals of the Champions League, uh, you know, nothing will be easy. Uh, but uh, if you notice, I went off screen just to grab the jersey that you were talking about. Um, I was actually at the match yesterday and, um, you know, watching, you know, like obviously, as you said, you know, City were not at their best. They were making sloppy passes like there were, you know, I've never seen that before in a pep side. And, you know, the fact that they were, you know, Honestly, sometimes they were just too slow because then, you know, if, then Madrid would just go back into their, as you said, 5-5-0, um, you know, and, and obviously they were playing for a nil-nil because I think they had, what, 21% possession in the first half? So, you know, they, they were absolutely parking the bus. Uh, but then, you know, those substitutions, they made the difference because Foden made, you know, he made that chance out of nothing. I think he nutmegs uh, yeah. a defender uh, with the pass. That gives it to De Bruyne, and, you know, at, at that point, you know, of course he's going to score. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, a huge, huge result for City. Um, they definitely needed that for momentum, not only for the second uh, leg on Wednesday, but obviously 
for the upcoming match that we've been teasing for the entire episode. Uh, but yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, not, not having a proper striker uh, has has impacted them heavily, um, which is why they wanted Kane in the summer for, I think it was 150. But, you know, e- even without a striker, Pep made it work. But, I mean, if they, obviously, you know, the second leg is in the Wanda, uh, um, you know, so they're going to have to, you know, beat a, a Madrid side who, you know, will be going for a goal and they're and they're playing at home. So, you know, it's going to be a very, very uh, interesting uh, second leg. Yeah, and one thing that, I know, yeah, and we talked about how Man City looked, you know, not their best in the earlier shades of this game, and and I think I don't think I think Pep expected to make subs, but I don't think he wanted necessarily wanted to or thought he was going to make subs as early as he did. Not necessarily that he made particularly early subs, but I think he was trying to hold out and see if Man City could could score and get something done without Foden and Grealish. Um, that couldn't happen. He puts Foden in about two minutes later. Foden, as you said, gets that nice nutmeg assist to De Bruyne, and just like that, it's 1-0. So um, I, I think that this hurts Man City's momentum a little bit to know that you're kind of more aligned. Like, you really need Foden and Grealish in this game to get something done. They, they needed it this game, at least. So um, you come out against Liverpool this weekend... Um, Actually, we're not there yet, but uh, to let's I'll mention the the ninth spot for Man City. Uh, one of my notes is if if we look at who's moving on to this next round of Champions League, you know you have um, Bar- um, Real Madrid, you have Bayern Munich, Liverpool, or not but not yet, but projected to move on to this next round. I think Bayern will come through, but Man City's the only team out of these four teams that really doesn't have a true striker, and I I think that'll hurt them in the next round. Um, but Pep's seeming to get it done, and if you know he can stick with what he's been doing all year, and and Man City can really produce, and Foden can play well, um, I think they'll I think they'll handle it next week, and hopefully Liverpool this weekend as well. Yeah, all right, boys, we've got about five ten minutes left on the podcast. You know, we've teased it enough throughout this Champions League, especially those two matches that were played on Tuesday. Both Liverpool and City picking up big wins. But for all they care, those are worthless when it comes. As soon as those matches ended, the results don't matter because this Sunday, it's one for the ages at the empty head. Yes, the Eddie head in Manchester. Liverpool taking on City at 11.30 Eastern time. Michael, I don't know what time that is over by you. I need to figure that out, actually, Michael, because I didn't tell you. I'm it's going... five hours, so, yeah. so it's a 4.30 kickoff on Sunday. Okay, well, I'm going to be in Madrid this uh, weekend, Michael, so... I'll be oh, fo- so uh, I, I think Madrid's an hour ahead because of so it'll be five thirty for you. Yeah, so I think. me and Michael will be catching it late. Eli's gonna be up early watching it over stateside, but it's the biggest game of the season for both sides. And in a Premier League season that for a while looked like City pulled was gonna pull away from it, and then Liverpool just slowly kept pushing the needle and creeping up behind City, waiting patiently. You know, for City to drop a couple points here and there, you know, a couple draws. Liverpool gets not back in the driver's seat, but now that they are, it's truly a case in which both teams can decide their own fates. But in order to do so, they have to knock, they have to deliver the knockout punch to the other. And, you know, as much as I like to be a Liverpool optimist going into this match, this City City side led by Pep has given, you know, Klopp problems year in and year out you know you think back to them knocking them out of the Champions League in 2018 
you know, the 4-3 in that year, too. Obviously, huge results for Klopp to prove that he can play with Pep. But since then, it's really been a city-led rivalry in terms of, you know, getting results and ultimately winning championships. I think that the biggest thing we learned from this Champions League break, and we touched on it when we were just talking about it, boys, it's that neither of these teams look to be at their absolute best. And, you know, whether and whether it was that in the attacking third or, you know, silly mistakes in the back, I'm really, really interested to first see what the team sheets look like because it's going to tell us everything we need to know about the Champions League matchups in the following week, you know, two days later for both of them. But also it's going to tell us more specifically where our goal is going to come from. Because if we see guys like Foden and Grealish in, as Eli just mentioned, you know that they're going to be essential to the creativity going forward. If you see guys like Mares who like to typically stay out wider, you know that it's going to be a more midfield-dominated game from Pep. And then for Liverpool, you're going to expect probably Mane, Jota, and then Salah to wrap up that front three. It's typically what they've been going with, despite you know Salah's kind of slack in form coming back from World Cup qualifiers. I'm curious to see what Liverpool unloads in the midfield. We saw Thiago start this past week against Benfica. Henderson, Fabinho, those guys tend to be staples. Nabi Keita picking up that assist to Luis Diaz. There's a lot of ways this game can go, but I ultimately think it's going to come down to the substitutions. And obviously that's predicated on who's starting. Obviously City, in my opinion, has a deeper bench. They can go like-for-like, like front three in the midfield, substitutions. Probably they can go two in each regard and it doesn't change much. Liverpool's a little bit thinner. I think that their defensive substitutions in the midfield are certainly where their strengths are at. That being said, I really can't anticipate this game being more than a one goal, maybe two goal affair in terms of, you know, separation. I think I don't want to say Liverpool's gonna lose as a Liverpool fan, but it's going to take a, a humongous performance from Liverpool in order to knock off City on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is this is definitely the match of the season. Um, and obviously, you know, uh, going into this game, I'd say that the momentum is on Liverpool's side because seeing a 12-point gap, I mean, obviously Liverpool had game in, games in hand, but now it's down to one point. I mean, you know, that's got to be, you know, at least, you know, it, it has to be in the back of Man City's minds. Um and I was actually talking uh, to someone about this uh, earlier this week. You know, City have uh, Atletico de Madrid, Liverpool, Atleti again, and then Liverpool again in the FA Cup semifinals. So, like, you know, their matches are more grueling compared to Liverpool because we have Benfica. And obviously, you know, Benfica, you know, um, obviously I would say that Atletico de Madrid is, is the better team. So, <clears throat> sorry. So, you know, like, you know, City have had it rougher. But I mean, yeah, th- this is this is going to be huge because obviously whoever wins this, uh, City could leave with a four point lead, uh, Liverpool could could leave with a two point lead, and you know th- this this looks like a title decider. But even Klopp has said, um, you know, whoever wins this game, it won't determine it because there are still what like six seven games to go. But you know, a- a- as a Liverpool fan, you know this is this is the match of the season, especially because not only do we you know if if we win, we lead the Premier League. But you know, it also dictate you know um, the momentum the momentum going into the second legs, which is also crucial to get into the semis, and also the FA Cup semifinal, which has them facing each other again in like six days. So you know, this this upcoming week is 
is titanic in, in terms of what you know what the season will be thought of once it's all over yeah i agree this 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 next week or so is is going to be pretty crazy um i would agree that liverpool has momentum kind of physically and mentally you know they come off a very nice 3-1 or pretty nice 3-1 win while man city was more of a 1-0 kind of like sludge fest i guess like it's a slow you know very effortful win um so and another thing to mention it's it's not a huge difference but you know Klopp was able to get Salah off um I think Mane off about 10 minutes earlier than some of the Man City guys 10 minutes isn't you know the biggest difference in the world but if you add that to you know difference in um effort and you know kind of an easier win for Liverpool I, I think that's going to have a little bit of effect like against Man City this upcoming weekend um, but I'm I'm really interested in this in this upcoming game. You know, Pep is going to try to push kind of the this is this is a very interesting dynamic because Pep is going to try to push down the wings, and we know that right and left back for Liverpool like to play up and like play aggressive as Trent is you know your ideal aggressive more like relatively offensive right back. So I think it's really gonna if if we see Foden and Grealish up front starting, which I kind of expect and and want from Pep this Sunday if we see that I think it's going to be all along that you know left side or left or right side with Trent kind of Grealish you know they're Pep's going to try to come and be aggressive you know get those triangles set up try to kind of attack Trent who's not the best defensive right back we've ever seen although he's obviously a great player and then Trent is going to try to when he gets those turnovers push the ball which again is tough against a Man City team which stays aggressive likes to keep the ball you know their team's half obviously but if 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 Man City pushes up too far and Trent can make a play that's when we're going to see goals scored and that's we're going to we're going to see big counterattacks from Liverpool so i think i think you know they're they're probably going to be a lot of goals scored on Sunday i think and i think it's going to be super interesting to watch that dynamic of Trent against you know kind of like Grealish and Foden and and just see overall what happens there yeah and I think you know to Eli's point right Michael for Liverpool guys we can agree that our defenders you know Robertson's certainly better than Trent is but ultimately it comes down to mentality both these teams are super familiar with each other both of them know what's at stake here yes Jurgen Klopp saying uh, you know, the title isn't going to be won but it's certainly not going to be won by Liverpool because even a draw in a City win put them even on points and then it's going to come down to goal differential but if City gets all three then it might be one for City because four is a mountain to climb with four matches left after that one so I, I really think it go either way I'm not exceptionally worried the only benefit for either team or really just Liverpool, because even if City loses that match, they're still technically in the title race. But for Liverpool, if if you lose that match, you can turn to that Benfica game, go, you know, lights out performance at home, hopefully, and try and win the Champions League. Because we've talked about it time and time again, what squad rotation is going to look like, what are which team is going to, you know, prefer which title. This match week, Liverpool versus City at home for City on Sunday, I really think it can. It's going to determine which team walks out of you know either England or Europe with a trophy, and you know the way we saw Madrid play today. Certainly, they're raising the question, but the way we saw Bayern play today, certainly they look faulty. So it very well could be, you know, maybe even a City double, a Liverpool double, which would technically be a triple if you count the Carabao Cup. 
I don't, but also both teams in the FA Cup still. So there's a lot of ways in which those two teams alone could win trophies. But for me personally, I'm just hoping that Liverpool doesn't shoot themselves in the foot. We saw that in that match against Benfica that, you know, they got right back into that game because of a mistake at the back. And it took them about 10 minutes to sort things out in the midfield and, you know, regain, regain you know, their footing in the match. And a, a team to the caliber of City, that's just that's just not going to happen. As soon as you let them in once, they're just going to keep coming and coming and coming. That's going to do it for this week's episode. Michael, any closing words before we wrap? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, as you said, this week is, you know, it's monumental, and I can't wait. Actually, before we go, I want to ask your predictions. I just want the team. I don't want the score. What team do you think will win, and you're not allowed to say tie, and then who do you think is going to advance out of the semis? I'm saying Liverpool, and then Liverpool, Madrid. I'm going to go for the shock and say Villarreal, and then uh, a, a City going through the semis. Yeah, uh, I'll go with City this weekend, um, and then... <laughs> and Michael doesn't like that. I'll go with City this weekend, and then I'm going to... Yeah, I'll go City advances, Real Madrid advances, Liverpool advances. I think Bayern's going to come through. I think a 2-0 you know, victory from them is you know, certainly not out of the question. Yeah, so I, I, I think they can pull through. Michael, I'm going to be a homer with you. I'm going Liverpool this weekend. Liverpool, Athleti. I think Pep is going to be absolutely decimated after this weekend. Okay. So I'm going Liverpool, Atleti, Villarreal, and Madrid. Wow. So a Spanish and then an English team quarterfinal, which I really didn't think Ooh. about. You really have the potential for it to be an all-English and Spanish quarterfinal in a, in, a, in a variety of ways. Once again, proving that the best football is played not in Germany, nor is it played in Italy. Keep going. Nor is it played in the uh, Nor is it played in the MLS. And, and with Michael's continual slander, it seems like every time he's on this podcast, he has bad words coming out of his mouth against the MLS. That's gonna do it, folks. What a fun show it's been. We are sorry if you missed us last week. U.S. is back in the World Cup. MLS is on the rise. We got to do an MLS specific oh, podcast. Go and, Minnesota United. And make Michael Hernandez sit and listen to it, not even speaking a word. That being said. Keena Troy, Eli Keeler, Michael, always zooming in for us. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Hopefully we get a good week of football. Be back next week to recap it for all you guys. Take care.